This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of the Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on The Orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you, and you would have a breakthrough. Well, good morning. How are you guys? Welcome. Whether you are joining us here in the house, online, or during the week, we are glad that you were tuning in. And here's one reason. Whether you're, if you're a guest of ours, uh, well, welcome to the Orchard. If you're kind of checking things out, or if you're a veteran and you're here and you've been here for, for decades, I, I see some people in here who knew me back when, well, they were ruffling my hair, and they still try to, and they still do, some of them, yeah, actually. I am so glad you're here. And today, I'm not even, I'm not going to exaggerate. If we step in today's, to today's sermon, it will change the next year of your spiritual life. Now, that either communicates that I think my sermon's really, really good, or that there's something in there that's much better than I can preach. And I think if you know me well enough, you know that I'm not a good enough preacher. We're on a good enough band. God didn't make it so that we can change your life. We are simply here to, to pray and speak and play that God, would, that God would speak to you. But today's sermon, if we step into it, if you step into it, a year from now, your spiritual life will be different. That's how important today is. And some of you, I'm going to get into the meat of it, and you're going to go, oh, I see where he's going. And I've, you're going to have your past experiences that are going to inform your present feelings and your future decisions. I'm going to ask you to, to go into this with a heart willing to let the Holy Spirit say, my son, my daughter, step into this, because this can change some things. I'm going to start off with, by going left field and talking about the military, and the military down to the ages has done their very best to discern how to divide soldiers into different divisions, not based on chance, but based on much study and psychology on, on what's the most effective ways to deploy the right amount of people to the right mission. That's a really important thing. And you don't want to mess that up. You don't want to send a thousand people for something two people should do or vice versa. You want the right size group to accomplish the right purpose. Now, the, the military has an organizational chain of command. And, and I'm going to say some things like, like with the army, for instance. You know, they have a corps and it is over 50,000 soldiers as a corps. Okay, that's, that's, that's made up of two corps, actually. And if you're in the military, you're going to be like, he's butchering this. I, 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 might, I might be, okay? I've never been in the military, but a corps has 20,000 or so soldiers. A corps is made up of two to five divisions. A division is 10 to 15,000 soldiers. And that can divide up into three brigades. A brigade, a brigade, has, a brigade is a hard word to say, apparently, but it's also a division that can, is of three to 5,000 soldiers. Now, listen, I know you guys know this. I'm just, you know, just humor me here. I know you guys have this memorized. A battalion has between 300 to 1,000, know, and then it breaks down into a company, which can be around 100, and then we have a platoon, which can be anywhere from like 16 to, to 40, some. Then we have below that, we have squads, about nine to 12, and then within each squad, there are teams of two to three, four people. Now, what are the most effective ways to deploy those different amounts of people to different missions for different purposes? And what does that mean for us as civilians here in church life? Like, we don't ask ourselves as civilians often, what's the best size group to go complete a mission for relationships or different things like that? But what about in a church movement? What about within the walls of the orchard? Uh, what sizes of church groups are most effective and for what purposes? Now, these questions are beneficial. Um, 
I'm going to put these up here really quick. These are the sizes of um, different, as they break down, we have battalions. Over here we have battalions, company, uh, platoon, squad, and team. And those are the ways they break down the different sizes. Here's a question for you as you see those up there. Uh, which of these would be best for throwing your birthday party? Now that depends entirely on your personality, doesn't it? You extroverts are looking higher up on the list. My wife is down there going, three people? I have to have three? <laughs> Let me tell you a quick story about personalities and how many people should be at the right thing. We were throwing a party a long time ago. How many years ago? 13 years ago? For our wedding. Yeah. We threw a party. Um, we threw a party thanking Amy for marrying me 13 years ago. And before we did that, we made a guest list. I don't know if you guys, you guys, this is crazy. Uh, weddings can cause friction and fights. And um, it can bring out the worst and the best in people. And so one day we were talking about how many people should be at our wedding. I, I'm an extrovert. She's an introvert. And she goes, well, how about you just go start on a list and I'll be down after a while to see where you are. And she goes, but only invite, only put the people on the list that you like really want to be there. I'm like, easy. So I get down there, I get on my computer and I just get my extroversion out there on the open road and start typing. Shing, you know, I'm just going with it. She walks down a little, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes later with her list on a note card and um, she goes, where are you? And I said, well, I'm on 247. <laughs> and I, I looked up and there was, there was some tears forming. She goes, I was hoping you would have, you know, 50. 50? How do I cut it down to 50? You know? So what is the right size for your party? What's the right size for your wedding? How about that? Which of these groups would be best for a backyard barbecue? I mean, 25 is a good number, right? I mean, 25, that's a good backyard barbecue. 100 is a hard one to plan for. Um, which of these size groups would be most effective to start a catalytic movement that would change your region? What do you think? And there's all different kinds. I mean, there's actually studies on this. What about this? Which of these groups would be the most effective in forming true community among the people and deep relationships? The answer is the squad, the 12 size. In fact, Twitter and Instagram have taken off on this, and the years ago they made this hashtag squad goals, which is like you get your squad and you go do things that you, you know, other people wished you could do. Today we're talking about some squad goals, right? We're talking about the size of group that's the most effective for certain purposes. Which of these groups would be the best for, for getting into the truth of who you are, your, your fears, your hopes, your dreams for your future, your struggles? Now, that's probably not like your worst sin, like, you don't want to get up in front of 500 and do that. That's my job, right? I get to do that. But, but what, what area, what group there would you want to speak about the truth of your heart? Oh, I'm guessing it's at the bottom. And that's been proven that down there in those teams, that's the size of group that is best for those accountability and getting into the heart and the dream of, of those kinds of things. So while there's a lot of studies on in certain ways that military divisions should be made, I want to look at it in terms of church as well here at the Orchard because here's the truth. We are about a battalion strong. We're over 500, all services and all people and children. Over 500 strong and God is growing us. That's about five companies of 100 if you're good at math. That's 20 platoons or 50 squads, and it keeps breaking it down. But why would, I, why would I even bring this up? What's the point of today? If today's message is one message that if you step into it can change your year, what is all this about? Well, here it is. The answer is this. Is this. As, how we grow as a church, and then more importantly, how you grow as an individual within the church, greatly um, impacts the purpose God wants to accomplish in you and through you.
How you grow inside and within the church as an individual is greatly impa- it greatly impacts the comp- what he wants to accomplish in you and through you. There are purposes that God wants to do in your heart and through you that may best be achieved on one of those groups. How you engage in church, if we have the 500 big group, if we have the little inner circle, two and three, we have these different groups. To take a step further, there are missions and purposes that only the big-sized church can accomplish. That's how God created it. But there are also purposes in your life that the big-sized church group just cannot accomplish and will not help you grow. And this isn't just something that um, the military studied. This isn't just something I've looked at, you know, over the past few weeks. This is something that Jesus modeled for us. Jesus, he preached and he ministered to to thousands and tens of thousands. Listen to this in Mark 10. Then Jesus left the place and went to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan River. Again, crowds gathered to him and again, as was his custom, he taught them. He was consistently preaching, declaring, and proclaiming truths to these multitudes of people. Multitudes, sometimes hundreds, sometimes thousands. We see that sometimes it is tens of thousands of people. And this is what you do. You preach to the multitudes. You declare, you proclaim to the multitudes. And this is what Jesus did in his teachings. And guess what he did? In the big group, he welcomed everyone. Anyone was welcome to come and listen. And those people back then, they came for deeply spiritual reasons to hear from this, this teacher and be transformed. They came because they heard he was giving out snacks or healing. They wanted to see this show. Others came because their boyfriend or girlfriend made them come. Like the same reasons they went back then, we're coming now. People gather in, in the big church of different ways, places all over America for different reasons. And you're here for one of those reasons on that spectrum. That's why you're here. Some of these people, they came to, 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 to see Jesus. They came just to see, to, just to hear his words. And that was all they got. And here, like in our house, there are many of us who come to church faithfully to hear what God's doing in this place. But Jesus didn't just preach to, to the big room, to the big crowd. In Luke 10, he divided them up into groups. He sends out 72 of them. That's about a company strong. He says, Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them out in teams, two by two ahead to every town and place where he was about to go. You see, you preach to the multitude, but you mobilize the medium-sized group. You, you mobilize the people to go out in different group sizes. You mobilize them. He taught them, he equipped them, and he sent them out. But he didn't just preach, he didn't just mobilize, he broke it down even further. This is Jesus modeling for us what this looks like. In Luke 6, verse 12 and 13, Jesus went to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples, a bigger group, to him, and he chose 12 of them. He called a company to him and chose a squad. He chose 12 of them. Out of the multitudes, he broke it down into a company. Out of the company, he broke it down into 12. You preach to the big group. You preach to the multitudes. You mobilize the medium groups. But you invest yourself truly in a small group. You invest yourself in a squad-sized group. And we see Jesus from this point on. He is almost always surrounded by his 12 his group of this size. Where he went, they went. And they got to know him. They got to know him in a way that no one else got to know him. They got to see him and hear him. And it says in the Bible, he would turn to them, explain to them things. He had just proclaimed to the, to the, to the bigger groups, the companies and battalions and all these things. He would turn to his squad and they would have these discussions. They got to know him. 
That's the discussion. That's the, that, that is the nature of a small group, of one of these squads. They know each other. They know him. They know each other's wounds and giftedness. The 12 of, of Jesus' disciples, they begin to know uh, who is strong over here and who is weak over here. They begin to know their hopes and their dreams as they traveled together for three years. They did life together. And the three years that Jesus traveled with his 12, they were transformed. They were equipped. They had amazing purpose and competency by the end of that. This squad size model is a powerful, transformative group that can lead everyone in it into a place of being known, of knowing others, and truly finding community and purpose. It is very unique in what it can do that the other size groups just cannot Jesus even took it a step further, though, than the squads, because in Mark 9, he's with his 12. He leaves them and calls a certain number with him. It says he took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up to a high mountain where they were all alone. He became transfigured before them, and he was glorified. And then his clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could ever bleach them. Catch this. In this inner circle, these three got to see Jesus in a way that no one else did, not even the twelve. Not even, in, no one, no one in, the, in, in the multitudes, not in the company, nothing. They got to see Jesus in a way that no one else did. And this is the truth. Jesus modeled for us that you preach to the multitude, you mobilize the medium, you invest in the small group, but you confide in that inner circle, that two, that three. From there, there were times where Jesus would leave everyone. In Matthew 14, it says this, Jesus fed over 5,000. That was the men. Now, there was probably 20,000 there. So he's just been with the multitudes. He's been with his, the companies, and he's been with his squad there. Then he told his disciples, his 12, to get in the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the multitude. After he dismissed them, he went to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. You see, he needed time alone with, his, with God to truly refuel and refresh and recenter from the ministry that he had been doing. His life required him to pull aside and be alone with the Father. Jesus is modeling something for us that you preach to the large-sized multitude, you mobilize the medium, you invest in the small group, you confide in the inner circle, but you rest in the one. You rest in the one. This is what healthy spiritual life looks like. He's modeling this for us, for you today. His gifts were given to the large crowd, his, his preaching, his healing, some of these things. He was equipping those in the, in the larger group, the medium-sized group, the company. He's discipling the, the deepest training with these 12. His closest three saw him like no one else did, and he rested and refreshed his soul with the one. This is the model for healthy Jesus following and it's the model for healthy church participation. I'm going to preach a message today. And I'm going to do something that rarely is said from preachers. I'm going to tell you that being in here is not the most important thing. And, and a lot of, a lot of um, leaders are terrified to say that because we only want you in here. But I'm going to tell you that I love you beyond just your attendance I want you to be healthy. I want you to be growing. I want you to be thriving. I want you to have deep roots so when the crisis hits, when the diagnosis, the depression, the things, the, the circumstance hits your life, you don't just have this. And so I'm gonna ask you to, to step into something that's, that's much different than just this. Now here in our large groups, what do we do? What do we share inside these walls? If you've been with us for a time or you're a guest, there are some things that happen in here that are absolutely beautiful. We have catalytic moments where people make transformative decisions to leave here differently. 
And perhaps you've been a part of something where you've been in here and you've, you've heard something or during worship something was spoken in your heart by, by the Father and you, you had a catalytic moment and you left differently. That's what we long for. That's what we, we hope. Also in here, we, we celebrate in the big group. We celebrate what God's doing through salvations and, and baptisms and, and children's dedication and all these different things. Also in the large group, we have a sense of belonging. You know, we have, a, we have momentum here. God is growing us. He's, he's doing things. And we, we feel like we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. We're filled up. My hope is that you leave energized. That you, our, our kids are up there right now by Stacy and her excellent team being, being fed and discipled and trained. Our youth are equipped and led. Just like in Jesus' times, we, we are also, though, in this multitude, we are surrounded by some people we don't know. And you're probably in a room right now with some people you don't know. And we hopefully we leave with, it with a direction or inspiration to go out and live differently than we came in. Sometimes we make these bold decisions all here on Sunday. And here on Sundays, just like in Jesus' times, there are those of us who are here because we are hungry for God. We are desperate today. God would give me something. God, I need you. Others of us are bare, here, we're barely hanging on. We're skeptics of God and religion and church, and we're here because somebody brought us. Others of us are just checking it out. Whatever it would be, we're here listening, and the prayer is that there will be a catalytic moment for you where you're challenged and inspired. That was what it was like for Jesus back when he was there with the multitudes. But when it comes to authentic spiritual growth, like Jesus modeled for us, we must see, I need you to see that while Sunday morning is great, it simply isn't enough, nor was it intended to be enough to feed your spiritual life, to feed your soul the way it needs to be. Now, this is not a knock on the orchard, our staff, or our leaders. This is actually a truth on how God created us. If you or someone else depends only on Sunday morning for your spiritual nutrition, for your spiritual growth, that leads to what's called spiritual anemia. Anemia is when your body doesn't get the nutrients it needs and it becomes weak and fatigued and confused. Now, it's not because of what's being served here. It's because it was never intended to be the primary way that your heart and your soul would be known and transformed. Now, many of us, if we're honest we have some symptoms of spiritual anemia. If we were honest, we would say we have some symptoms of it, some places where our faith is weakening. Because what happens when you're anemic is there begins to be erosion. On some places you used to stand against sin, there's erosion. On places we used to stand on truth against a culture that's trying to indoctrinate us, there's been erosion, and we don't know if we kind of believe what we used to believe. There's some confusion. There's some fatigue. There's weakened faith. Those things happen when anemia hits our lives. If my spiritual life is dependent solely on Sunday morning gatherings, I will not thrive the way God intended me to. That's just a fact. If I'm solely dependent on Sunday gatherings for my spiritual nutrition throughout the week, then I will eventually find my faith fatiguing, my resolve weakening, my mind anxious, and my beliefs being more and more confused by the culture. I had to be honest with myself and where I had those symptoms going on. And my, my request of you would say, where do you see those? Do you have some spiritual anemia, some erosion where you've seen some things changing over time because your primary, your only spiritual nutrition is here once a week? Now, inspiration from Sunday morning, how long does it last you? 
Let's say on the greatest Sunday I ever have, and we have the greatest band, and it's the greatest thing, and the, it's all popping, it's all good, and then the spirit moves, and you, you have a moment, a catalytic moment, and you, you stand up, and you praise God, and you make a decision, and you leave. How long does that last you? The parking lot? I mean, if you have kids, the car, right? He got a treat that I didn't get. Oh, here we go. Not in pastor's families. We don't fight on the way home. How long, it, how long does it last you? I mean, NFL starts today. By, by the time you get home and start watching that first, that game, what decision did I make again? Like, what's happening? As a preacher, I'm simply not good enough. Our band is not good enough. We are not good enough to do what we need up here to sustain your spiritual life throughout the week. And I'm okay with that. Because Jesus modeled for us what it looks like to engage in the spiritual life of the church in a healthy way, so you are thriving, growing deeper roots. And this is where we see his model that's so vital. Here at the Orchard, the, these, these groups of 12, these small groups, we call these community groups. They used to be growth groups. Perhaps you've been in life groups or small groups or this groups or delta groups. Churches love to name our groups, and we're have, we have community groups here. And the other thing I have to mention when I talk about community groups and small groups is this. Again, you bring your past experience into it. And you say, I've already done that. I'm too busy now. Or it was terrible. I had someone after the first service go, you know, we would let, we'd love to do that, but our experience last time was just brutal, and we were wounded. Well, it's hard to step into a small group when you've been wounded in a, the previous one. I'm going to ask you this, is to, to suspend your experience for a second in your decision, and wait to, to, to make your decision at the end when God's Spirit has begun to talk to you about these things. Here we have community groups, because the goal of our groups is community, authentic, true community. The purpose of these squad-sized goals of 12 is to grow deeper faith in God and deeper, richer relationships with other people. And if, I want you to hear the next sentence from me very clearly. Community groups in this church are not just the next program for us. It's not just a program. These groups are the vital next step in giving your spiritual life the growth and the nutrients it needs to thrive in today's culture. They are necessary. They're vital. Jesus himself modeled this for us. If you ask me where did Jesus spend the most time, with his large gathering or with his 12, the answer is obvious. As you know, uh, we hired Pastor Dan Bosco. If you don't know this, if you're new to it, we hired a new pastor this, this summer, Pastor Dan Bosco, to come in and, and to help us with all the growth that we're experiencing. God has been so good here. I, I told you over and over that as God grows us and we get momentum, there's no trophy in that for us. We're not after church growth on, on a big scale. We brought Dan in because we were interested in growing deeper on a deeper scale. We're thriving. We have momentum. We have, we have people using their gifts on stage and backstage and in different areas making decisions. We have, we have people coming to Jesus. We have people getting baptized. But if we read the Bible, we realize that a spiritual life is much more than church on Sundays. And that's one area I think that, that we have got it wrong and we need to adjust that. Church and following, being the church is so much more than Sunday. We've got to be deeper and stronger and healthier as a church Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday. Pastor Dan is extremely gifted, and he's already showing that in mobilizing people in a way that I am simply not gifted to do. 
He's here to help us grow deeper and stronger within these large Sunday gatherings as God grows us. And God's going to continue to grow us as in October 1st, we go to two different service times, right? Are you guys still considering that? And you know that we're asking 100 of you at this service to switch to the 9 o'clock. I know that's a big ask, right? Consider that. It's just coming. And the time change is happening, so it's kind of all, it all works itself out. That's all I'll say about that. We are a growing church, and this is our initiative this fall. This is our initiative. I'm not going to be secret about this. We want to move all of us into community groups where we can grow spiritually and relationally with God and with each other. This is not my idea. This is directly from the life of our Savior. So what do we do in these community groups? These are the places where you share uh, prayer requests. My kid, my marriage, my wife, my, well, maybe not just tell about your wife, but you know, you share prayer requests. You also share hopes, uh, fears. We laugh together. You, you talk about the struggles you're, you're at. It's a place to be known. It's a place to know others. It's a place to know that you're, you're church family. You have a, a community. You have that squad. And instead of sitting in just rows in here, you're sitting in a circle in a living room somewhere with people who you are getting to know each week. And Amy and I, we, we were a part of a small group for over five years with people we absolutely to this day still love and have. We had an amazing experience. And over those five years, um, it, it changed us in more ways than we could ever. Well, I don't think we would even be right here right now without that group. Because as, we were, as I was thinking back through all that we went through during that time, that group of, of our small group in our living room um, helped us as we went through some of our hardest times times where we wanted to, to, to quit, pack up, and move, and do, do anything else, uh, we had a group of people who were there walking with us through life. And also, we got to hear uh, their crises, and there were a lot of tears shed. You can imagine in anybody's five, in five years for any couple or any individual, there's going to be some sort of crisis, maybe. And so as we were together, each of us had our own thing we were going through as we had death of loved ones or, or challenges and job changes, all these things. But to be there with each other, to truly be there for each other in a way that this group could never be there for us and for them, it was amazing. And I remember there was times in our living room where, where there were people crying over life change or, or something they were, they were hoping to happen or were celebrating. And I remember, uh, I remember this week where um, one of the, the husbands, uh, he received Jesus right there in our living room as his wife just sat there and wept. And, and to see how God changed lives through that time and molded us and brought us together, I'm a believer. I'm in. I'm in. I'm eternally grateful for our small group. Uh, we, we couldn't have done life without them through that season. If I'm honest, I wouldn't have wanted to. And so as we continue to move into these community groups, I want to tell you that just from my personal experience, it's something that is absolutely transformative. Now, it doesn't seem so on a week-to-week -week basis, but as you go through it, you're changed. You're known. You know others. Let me map out the importance, importance of this and how it breaks down spiritually. Remember Jesus' model. You preach to the big group, you in, you, then you invest in the small group, you confide, you confide in the inner circle, and you rest in the one. And here's the bottom line. In a large Sunday gathering, you're inspired, you're challenged, you maybe make a catalytic decision and then what would happen? You would go to your community group. And in that group, you would, you would talk about the decision you had made. You would talk about what God did in your heart on Sunday. You would discuss it as a group with other people who also heard from God. And as you begin to discuss these things, you, you make plans together and you push forward. Community groups take what happens in here to the next level, to the deeper level. 
That's what happens. You get, you get people praying for you. You get um, accountability. All these kinds of things. So we want to attend the orchard on Sunday. But we want to belong to a community group on the weekday. We want you to find your inner circle, two or three people that you can trust with your heart, and then rest in the one. That is a mark of a, a healthy spiritual model. Those are four vital areas that, that all round out a healthy life. Church, being a part of a church big gathering, a small group, an inner circle, and resting in God personally in your own life. Now, now what I just showed with you right there, um, church, this room, this, the big church, is one of those. One of those. Of those four things, it is one. Yet for many of us, it's the only one that we rely on for 100% of our spiritual growth when it's only supposed to give us 25% of the necessary growth. So for many of us, we're working on 25% of what we should be getting and, and asking God, God, why aren't, like, why aren't you, where's the peace I hear about? Like, where's the, where's the stuff? Where is all these things? And part of it is, and I found this in my own life, is if I'm just filling up here without filling up in, in, in a small group, in an inner circle, and with my time with God, then I will be asking where, where is the more? Where is it? It's important for us as a church because the church is growing. The orchard is growing. We've talked about this in the past as we've talked about it moving our service times and how God is uh, bringing many more numbers in here. I want you to, to again reiterate that numbers are not an indicator of success. Not for me as your leader. That's not the success I would choose. Here's, here's, the, here's the indicators of success in this church that I want us to move to. Spiritual life change transformative decisions, salvations, baptisms, healings, authentic and true community, our gifts of the Spirit being exercised in our groups, grace, love for those that are enemies, compassion for those who are needy, missions both close and far. There are marks of success there that I want to elevate beyond, oh, we got lots of people in here. That's not success. We're going to let God handle the growth in here, and we're going to go all in on growing deeper during the week. And as God goes, here, here's what I, I, listen, I've been in a church that was this size that grew to 18,000. I was on staff. I've, see, I've been through it. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm just going to give it away. There will be a time, and you may have already said this, this doesn't feel the same. I don't know people here like I used to. And we feel like it's a bad thing because we want the, the smaller church where we know everybody. But as God grows us, you will find and you will hear those things being said. It just doesn't feel the same because it's not. Because God's gonna continue to bring people in here who are far from him. He's gonna continue to bring people in who haven't been to church since they were a child. He's bringing people to church who have been wounded deeply. We wanna have room for everybody to come in here and, and, and hear the word and the message of Jesus. And so it's gonna feel different expect it. I want you to expect those things. You probably don't know the people in the 830. They're up early. No one knows those people, right? <laughs> like we're already at a place where you're like, you maybe don't know everybody in your row. Like, like we're, we're already kind of in these places. Now imagine if we add a third service. I mean, how, who are those people? 
I mean, I mean, I mean, here's the deal. As we continue to grow, it's going to feel, hey, it doesn't feel the same. And the challenge is, as God grows us in this room, we need to begin to continually grow in our living rooms. That as we grow bigger in here, as the message goes out and people are being saved and being brought in for a catalytic moment, that we continue to get the small relational connection within the large that God is doing. That we are known not just, to, like, like we cannot, I, I need to be known in this room. We need to be known in living rooms. A new phrase you'll hear from us, uh, it's probably not new at this point, but one thing you're gonna hear more and more is we're gonna be a church of circles, not rows. Because this church is, we're, we're all in rows right now. But my call to you as a pastor is do please consider this call to action to join a circle. That the orchard would be a circle, a, a church of circles in living rooms, not rows in churches. So even though we sit here on Sunday, maybe the greatest impact that your spiritual life gets is not in here. It's good, you get to celebrate and catalytic decisions, but it's, it's in that living room during the week. That's where you grow. That's where you were challenged. And so here's the deal. I, I'm not even gonna be shy about this. As your pastor, I want you in a group. Uh, the greatest thing you could do for your spiritual life this year is get in a group. Someone told me for service, he said, so, I love this person, they're so honest. He said, um, I've been hearing, I know we've had groups for a long time. I've been resisting it for two years. I said, well, I, I mean, the option is you just keep doing the same thing and hoping things go differently. Like, like jump in, jump in. I'm, I'm not gonna apologize about it. The greatest decision you could make this year is to jump into a community group here. If you say that the orchard is part of, you're part of the orchard. And so we need three things. We need three different kinds of people. We need hosts. That's those of you who have a gift of hospitality. You have a home maybe that you can open up and you would say, I don't know about being a leader. I don't know about many other things, but I can have people over. I, 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 I'm good at hosting. I want to provide a place. If you, were a, if you can be a host, then we want to provide um, a group for, to come meet at your house that you can be a part of. And so on each of these different needs that I'm asking for, the answer is A, pull out your bulletin and scan the QR code. Now, QR codes, for those of you who are like, well, they keep saying QR codes, what are they? I, I was talking first, you know, I've seen people take the bulletin and push the QR code. That's not, that's not how you do it. That's not how you activate it, Okay. You, you, put your, you turn your phone camera on, you put that on, on the QR code, and then you tap your camera where it shows. It's all very confusing, but do that. If you know how to do it, you know how to do it. For the rest of you, you can email Dan, Pastor Dan at dan at orchardlife.com, or you can walk out to a desk right here or out there after service. We had people signing up out there by the droves. Walk out and sign up for a group. And it doesn't mean like you're married to it and you're never getting out. It means, hey, I want to check this out. And if you put host on there, it doesn't mean like, well, We'll, sh we'll be there next week at seven. See ya. No, 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 no. We're going to talk to you. We're going we're gonna to talk about this and find the best time and the best people and if it's a good match. So we need hosts. The second thing we need is leaders. Man, it rises and falls on leadership. Leadership is the lid. And so we need more leaders. If you've been a leader of a growth group in the past, now's your chance to shine. If, if, if perhaps you, you have leadership gifts and, and you can lead a group, maybe this is the time where in your own church you begin to step up and serve others around you. One of, the most, one of the most gratifying places in the church is when you are leading others at one of these groups, getting to know them and knowing them and them knowing you. So we need hosts and we need leaders. And again, if you're like, well, I don't know if for sure if I can be a leader, just, just put it on there and, and Dan will talk to you about that and you guys can discuss that. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean you're locked into it, okay? Also, you don't need a seminary degree. People are like, well, well I, I can't be a leader. I don't have a seminary degree. 
I don't have a seminary degree. You're at a great church. This is, we're, we're all getting along here, right? Um, what we need for you is that you love God and love people. We want you to be spiritually warm and relationally warm. That you love God and you love people. And the final thing we need for these groups, and this is the tough one, as your pastor, I want you to sign up. I want you. The greatest thing that Orchard could have is people who are, who are not just here on Sunday mornings, but who are during the week investing in a group being known and knowing others. And here's what I know. We are busy people, and I don't have time for that. But I do know that I make time for the things that are important in my life. And I also know that if you, you will make time for the things that are important in your life. I'm, I'm simply asking you to prioritize this because I want you to trust me that this decision can change your spiritual life over the next year, unlike many, hardly anything else, is that when you are in a group of people discussing your heart and God's heart in these groups, Change happens. Jesus modeled it for us with his disciples. He modeled it all throughout the New Testament. So I'm asking you to sign up. If you're at the orchard, and I've had people tell me, like, I feel disconnected here. And I'm sorry. That's why we hired Dan to, get, to, 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 to help bolster us so that we can move into these areas and have greater community. That's what I want for you, greater community. So please, please sign up in your bulletin out there. Email him. My hope and my prayer is that we as the orchard are coming to know God in an authentic way. If you've been around the church, this church much in the past, you know that we don't like to play fake. We have real problems, don't we? We talk about real stuff. We have struggles. And we want to continue to model that in the groups during the week and give you a place where you can discuss it. So we're gonna, talk, we're gonna take a cue from Jesus and follow his model in this area as he was the one who showed us what participation in church looks like, that we preach to the big group and invite everybody that we can, we can proclaim Jesus in here. Then we invest in the small group, confide in our inner circle and rest in the one. And here's what else I know is that people show up to church much like today. Some of you showed up to church with great needs. And maybe what you needed most in this whole sermon was what I'm about to tell you. And that is this, that whatever you showed up with today, God wants to meet you there. And there are some of you in this room who walk into this place with great shame for what you've done and what's been done to you. And you serve a God who doesn't see your sin, he sees his son, because Jesus died on a cross and rose again for you. There are others of you in here who are wondering, I, I've, I've, I've wandered so far. And he always has welcome arms to welcome you back. My prayer for you today is that Jesus would meet you where you are. And so as you go into worship, I want, I want to say this, is that we're not going to worship now based on a song. We're not going to worship now based on how you feel. We're going to worship based on who he is. This is the challenge of worship today. You may be in here and be tired. You may not like something about this, that is your body, but your spirit can still worship. And there are times where I'm not, quote, feeling it in worship. I'm tired. It's not my favorite song. It's not this, that, or the other. And I will tell my body that my spirit will worship regardless because I have a God in heaven who is worthy of worship regardless of how I'm feeling. So if we go into these worship songs, my question for you, my, my challenge to you, will you, will you engage in worship with God today and allow him to speak and move in your heart in these areas. 
Father, we come before you. We thank you for Jesus that he, uh, God, first of all, you created us and you know how we are meant to be and live. And then we watch Jesus, Lord, as he, he interacted with large groups and small groups. And God, I pray that you would help us to be a church who follows Jesus in this area. I pray you would give each of us the gumption, the holy gumption to step into this challenge. And Father, today, may we worship you because you are worthy above all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. And if you have any other questions or need support, you can contact us at theorchardlife.com. You can help us by liking and subscribing to today's podcast. And we pray that God blesses you.